are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt, coming to you on our first episode of 2022. January 4th is when we're recording this one. Uh, we're going to do a, uh, a little news about the CBA talks, uh, a couple little retirements, and then we're actually going to start our first division breakdown uh, with the lockout and everything. It's going to be a little different with the freeze, but we're still going to bring you everything of what each team lost, what they've added so far, what we still think they need to add after the lockout, um, and a potential outlook uh, for what they uh, for what they have coming forward in 2022. But before we get to all of that, how are you doing, Matt? Doing great. Um, hope everyone out there had a happy new year and uh, looking forward to 2022 being a good year for for everyone out there. And uh, just uh, been a, been a pretty good week. I uh, just got done watching uh, watching some basketball and TV and some interesting stuff going on in college basketball today. And uh, been fun. And I'm uh, you know excited to talk about some baseball now. So. Uh, Coming into 2022, uh, kind of kind of kick off or talk about a new season here. So uh, it'll be uh, assuming that the season happens. But um, we're uh, you know doing great and excited for it. So yeah, what you say, assuming the season happens, and uh, that'll just kick us off to our first point that we went hit on, and that's the Bob Nightingale reported this week, and it's been rumored from some other people as well that MLB and the players as of right now, even still don't have any talks lined up or scheduled as of now going forward. They met twice in December um, to to try and hit some small issues, maybe get the ball rolling, but they still haven't scheduled anything to talk about those core economic issues that, that uh, need to be addressed in the game. Yeah. So um, on that note, um, I think uh, I don't know exactly how, you know, talks being scheduled, how far in advance that has to be done. I don't know if they're planning on getting together and just not having like a scheduled date, but they're planning on getting together in a week or so or, or whatever. But, um, you know, I think it's pretty inappropriate with the season hanging in the balance that they're not even talking, uh, you know, at this late in the, in the game. I mean, they've had a few weeks to kind of, you know, simmer down a little bit and, and enjoy, you know, Christmas on both sides with their families and, you know, having an, and after the new year, they really need to go ahead and get started here now. So, um, but we'll see what happens. Um, definitely disappointed. There's not enough, there's not any dialogue going on. Uh, cause that's kind of, to me, that's the thing that's ridiculous. You know, if, if the two sides can't come to an agreement, you know, blame whatever side, blame, blame either way. It's like, whatever. But if, um, you know, if, if they don't even talk in that's, that's pretty ridiculous. So, yeah, so I, I don't know how true it actually is, but Scherzer went on a podcast, Max Scherzer. Um, it, for people that don't know, he is one of the head of the Baseball um, Players Association. Um, so he's like on the front lines of the negotiations. He said that pretty much they've they've tried to just like even entertain, or, you know, entertain the talks with the owners and stuff, and the owners are pretty much just stonewalling them. Um, and that the sentiment from the owners are pretty much um, like that, Oh well, we'll just like keep holding. The players are going to get desperate eventually because they're not getting paid. They're not doing anything, and the, the players will come back to us, and then that'll be our way that we'll be able to leverage, um, you know, leverage them to to not get as much as they want to get and stuff. And like, who knows how uh you know how true that really is, especially coming from one of the heads that you know he's trying to negotiate for his side of it. But it is interesting that that is the case. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but uh, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, they actually you know figure things out. But I mean, I guess uh, 
no news in this case is bad news. <laughs> yeah. So we'll go ahead and move on um, to our first little, or our, not a first, our first retirement actually that we're going to talk about in this episode. And we'll, this one's going to be a little bit more brief than the the second one. But Cameron Mabin um, announced his retirement. I think it was yesterday, actually. Uh, you know, Cameron Mabin was a solid, you know, MLB player. I think he ends up with a a fourteen point eight career WAR. Uh, has been in the league since 2007, had some some decent overall seasons, but was more of a, uh, you know, kind of that fourth outfielder type, not an everyday player pretty much, but just an overall solid, uh, you know, solid player to have. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Cameron Mabin is always going to be that he was the centerpiece of the Miguel Cabrera trade, mm-hmm. and people are always going to be underwhelmed by him because of that and, and the fact that he was a top you know, really high level prospect when that happened and stuff. But I mean, he did end up eventually, while he never became the the kind of, you know, star that people were kind of thinking he might end up being, he did become eventually a pretty good player. Um, You know, he did have a, he had a great 2011 season in San Diego where he put up four wins above replacement, um, you know, a 105 WRC plus Uh, that that was good. He he had a few good years. He had a good year in Atlanta in 2015 uh, during the Braves rebuild, uh, 2016 in Detroit, he had a good year. Um, you know, he ended up stealing 187 bases. He sold 40 bases in 2011, which is really impressive. Um, and, uh, you know, he bounced around a little bit, uh, played for a lot of different teams. And, uh, you know, he made a pretty good niche out of himself as a, as a pretty, as a, as a you know, league average-ish hitter. Uh, maybe a little below league average, but but also a pretty good defensive player who can play center, and uh, you know definitely a guy who could you could bring in a pinch run. So uh, you know he was able to, even though he never, f- f- you know, went up to his full potential, he was able to um, you know carve out a really nice 14-year career, which uh, was really impressive. And uh, you know this past year played in nine games for the Mets, didn't really do much, and uh, you know I'm not super surprised to see him retire. Uh, you know, he's this at his age, at 34, 35 year old this season this year. You know, it wouldn't make a lot of sense for him to to go, um, you know, to go to uh, to go to you know a, a camp just on a small chance that he gets invited to the big league club or you know go play in the minors for half a season or something. It just wouldn't make much sense for him. So, uh, great career for Cameron Mabin, and uh, you know, congratulations to him. And I think he's a guy that. Um, you know, I would like to have him around my team. Uh, you know, in, a, in some if he if he's interested in some form after he's done playing, because I think he's a guy who could translate well to uh, to the coaching side of things. Yeah, absolutely. He's a he's a great guy and a, a really good clubhouse presence is something that you know has always been echoed about him around the league. So he's definitely a guy that if he is interested in coaching or or some sort of a you know front office role, he'll definitely be a hot commodity um, around the league. But let's get to our second retirement that we had, um, and this was a little bit more surprising, but that was uh, Seattle Mariners third baseman Kyle Seeger uh, announced his retirement, actually through his wife, actually, because he really isn't active on social media. Uh, the Mariners had declined his option, so he was a free agent, but he had spent his entire major league career there. Um, I believe it was 11 seasons. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but even this year in 2021, um, you know, he sacrificed some of his average and, and uh, on base for, for pretty much trying to go for more power. Um, he had a career high in home runs with 35 home runs, 101 RBIs, which is also a career high. Um, a two and a half win, you know, win season and a career 34.8 war. Yeah, this is a guy who has a, uh, you know, for his career is a very good baseball player. 
Um, you know, he, he's going to be one of those guys that, you know, you talk about the Hall of Very Good. I mean, he's obviously not a Hall of Famer, but you talk about Hall of Very Good. And 34.8 war, fantastic defender at third base, uh, a good hitter for most of his career. Um, you know, 111 WRC+. plus own his career but that was brought down a little bit these last few years he put up a couple seasons that over you know over 120 put up his career high was uh 134 back in 2016 this guy was a very good baseball player a great third baseman uh you know a guy who you know i wish he had i'm kind of surprised he's retiring because i mean he definitely still has some left in the tank if he wanted to play I mean, he's a guy who, you know, this year, two and a half wins above replacement, very unlucky on batted balls, just a 226 Babbitt. So that that uh, that average probably could have been higher. Um, you know, you look at his strikeout rate spiked this year, but still, um, you know, this is a guy who had good plate discipline numbers for his career. Um, I mean, just a lot of good things to be said about uh, Kyle Seeger as a guy who was a very solid everyday player for his entire career and probably, you know, a couple – two or three seasons was, was really an all-star worthy uh, third baseman. So great career for Kyle Seager. And of course, congratulations to him on his retirement. He's going to be, uh, you know, he's a, uh, you know, a guy who is uh, just a, he's just a very good, um, you know, very good player. And, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed about with that career. That's a great career. Absolutely. It's going to be a shame to not be able to or, you know not be able to watch Kyle Seager anymore. He had been a person that, um, you know, obviously, I think I had a little bit more on my radar just because of having Corey Seager in in Los Angeles for so long. He, you know, Kyle being his brother, it, he always kind of was a player I always watched a little bit more because of that and to see how he was always doing. Um, you know, and he's going to be one of those, uh, you know, one of those icons, especially for a Seattle team. Uh, you know, not having played anywhere else, um, and a guy who the city just absolutely loves. Uh, you know, he he mentioned when he had talked, uh, I guess, after his retirement thing that he kind of, there was a lot of interest in him around the league, but he kind of just kind of felt like his career was over and really didn't feel like he could go anywhere outside of Seattle um, and really put his full effort in, uh, into it and, and what he, you know, how much effort he was putting into the Seattle team and stuff and just felt like it was time. So, you know, like you said, great career for Kyle Seeger. It's going to be sad to see him go. Um, but, you know, he, he made the most of it while he had his opportunities out there. So, But uh, let's go ahead and jump into the division breakdown because it's going to be a, a longer one as these usually are. Uh, we're going to change things up this year. Last year we started in the uh, the east and worked our way to the west, but we're going to start in the west this year and work our way to the east. Uh, so we're going to start with the American League West just because it's been the most active division um, and, and kind of the biggest storylines uh, so far throughout the game in this postseason or this offseason, I should say. Uh, so we'll start with uh, the Houston Astros, who ended up winning this division last year with a record of 95 and uh, 67. Won the games or won the division by five games over the Seattle Mariners, uh, and they have a lot of turnover this offseason, a lot of question marks. Yeah, so um, you know the Astros. Obviously, you talk about their key losses. Um, is the biggest will be Carlos Correa. I mean, they're you know star shortstop, the be- biggest free agent on the market. Um, you know, he's been there their entire run where since they won their first their first wild card win, their first postseason appearance of their current run uh, as contenders was in 2015. And that was the year Carlos Correa came up. So he really was the guy who kind of sparked it and started it. And then uh, obviously they've been to the World Series three times. He's been playing a key, uh, you know, being a key piece on every one of those teams. 
uh, and he is a guy who maybe not the absolute, um, you know, the absolute top dog in, in in Houston over his time there. I mean, you've had Altuve, uh, George Springer had a similar impact to Correa. Uh, and, and, you know, you've had other guys, but he's been, you know, they're all one of their all-star centerpieces of that run. Uh, and then their other key losses are, uh, you know, they lost Zach Greinke, who, you know, spent a lot of this year injured uh, down the stretch, definitely down, get close to the end of his career, um, showed signs of it this year, didn't really pitch all that much in the postseason, uh, pitched a little bit, was, wasn't really counted on as a key starter for them you know, down the stretch and, uh, you know, Kendall Graven, who they brought in at the deadline, uh, pitched really well for them down the stretch and in the postseason. So, uh, those are three pretty big losses that they had, but, uh, you know, they, they did add a couple additions. Uh, one, they replaced Kendall Graven with Hector Neris, who, you know, comes from Philadelphia and has good stuff. Uh, was a little inconsistent there, but, you know, he's got a lot of closing experience and he's got a chance to be pretty good. Um, and for them and then Justin Verlander, you know, returning this year off of Tommy John surgery, uh, you know, he had be- become a free agent and they uh, re-signed him back. So that's really an addition because he wasn't there last year with his Tommy John surgery. So that's a big piece to get back. We'll see how effective he is after the injuries that he's had. And, uh, you know, but that's that, you know, that's a couple of those two additions are, are pretty big for them and really could improve their team. Yeah, they really could, especially Verlander, if he can, you know, get back to what Verlander, Justin Verlander was before the Tommy John surgery. Um, and if you can figure out something with Hector Neris, like you said, he has the stuff to be, you know, a really good reliever. Um, he's just been inconsistent. And I don't know that he ever got that much help with Philadelphia, who they've been a player who or a place that's really struggled um, with with managing a bullpen and getting the most out of those bullpen arms. Um, but if you if you look forward to what they do need going forward, um, obviously you're going to need some way to replace Carlos Correa at shortstop. Um, you know they still there still is a chance that they bring Correa back. It's it's a, it is a small one, but uh, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. You know you do need to somehow replace that production um, at shortstop. Uh, you you know probably some more depth starting pitching. Uh, you do have Verlander coming back, uh, McCullers you'll have as well, but he battled a couple of elbow things um, in the postseason and was actually shut down. Uh, Fran Valdez and Jose Arquiti are really good arms, but neither of them have pitched over 150 innings um, through another regular season. So you just need some other guys who could kind of fill in in that rotation throughout the year because um, I doubt a guy like Verlander is going to be able to give you 200 innings. You probably can't count on that from – or even 180 innings maybe. Probably can't count on that from McCullers. Um, you can you can account for a bump in Urquidy and in Valdez's numbers, but you know still there's going to be some innings that need to be replaced there, um, and then you know just more bullpen. Uh, you know replacing Graveman is with, with Neris is good, but you got to get some other pieces in there as well. I think like a Yimi Garcia is another guy who I think he might have been a free agent as well. Yeah, so, and uh, Brooks Raley too. And Brooks Raley was a was the under under the radar lefty at least for them. So it's just going to be kind of replacing the, the that bullpen a little bit, um, which those guys, you know, you can find from anywhere, really. Um, you know, the, the depth starting pitching just to give you some more some more innings throughout the year uh, and then replacing that production at shortstop. And then if you, you kind of look forward to, you know, to what we kind of think of this team throughout the year, or, you know, going into 2022 so far, what are you thinking? So, you know, my, my, my thoughts on, on the needs first off, uh, I definitely am 
you know, I, I think looking at shortstop, uh, a guy that I might take a look at for them would be like a Trevor Story type. He's not going to be quite as expensive as Correa, but Trevor Story would be pretty nice there with that with the Crawford boxes and the short porch in, in left field. Um, and, you know, putting that valuable defense there. Right now, Jeremy Pena looks to be the starter at shortstop for them coming into the season, which I don't know exactly how you would think about that. But, uh, and then, um, you know, I, I think, you know, that back end starter. I mean, if you're all five guys they've got right now, Verlander, Nair, uh, Verlander, Valdez, McCullers, Urquidy, and Garcia, that's a really good five man rotation if they all are at full strength and work back to, um, you know, work back to the way that they, looked like they might but um you know you, you, as we saw last year with some teams you can't count on your five starters being healthy especially when they got the question marks of Verlander and McCullers right now so uh adding that back in starter would be nice but uh outlook wise I mean the Astros I know they lost Carlos Correa but they're bringing back Altuve there who, who had a great year they're bringing back Gurriel who had a great year you know Alex Bregman battled injuries a lot this year and, you know, had a little bit of underperformance. I don't think they're going to have an issue with, you know, I think he's going to be better this year than he was last year. Um, you know, you look at the outfield, Kyle Tucker's just getting better. you got Jordan Alvarez at DH. Um, you know, I know that their center field position probably could use a little work as well. But, you know, they've got a couple guys who look like they had some potential there. You know, McCormick, Straw, some of those guys. Um and then, um, you know, you look at, um, you know, you, you look at them as a, a team and Michael Brantley's still there. I mean, this is a team that's still a division. They're definitely the division favorite at this point, um, you know, and, and they probably will be when the season starts unless, you know, that maybe the Angels or Mariners or somebody picks up a, a really big piece before then. Um, and uh, I think they're still the one of the AL favorites. I don't know if I'd say they're my number one favorite in the American League right now. Uh, but they're they're going to be one of the top two or three, you know, when you go into the season looking at who's going to be favored in the to win the AL again, and uh, so the Astros are still going to be good this year, even even with the loss of Correa, most likely. Yeah, and especially if they find some way to replace that production. I mean, even you can say that with the team as it is right now, but if they're they're able to replace that production somewhat, you know, that might even push them back into that upper echelon of the uh, the American League teams. But just uh, interesting to see what happens after the lockout. But we'll go ahead and uh, move to the second team in this division. That was the Seattle Mariners, who made a push late in the season um, and ended the season at 90 and 72, five games back of the Houston Astros. Um, you know, their key losses we just mentioned was, you know, Kyle Seeger, um, Yusei Kikuchi, and Tyler Anderson, which were kind of, you know, two two of their starting pitchers, but not really top of the rotation guys, more of a, you know, four to five kind of depth pieces. Yeah, so, you know, losing those guys, um, losing Kyle Seeger, I think will hurt, but Abraham Toro's shown some uh, potential playing third base, so I think you could see him step in and have a similar type of production, but uh, moving on to the additions they made, uh, signing Robbie Ray, obviously a big upgrade over Kikuchi or Tyler Anderson, who they lost, so that'll be a, a really nice piece to get. Um, you look at, uh, you know, they added Adam Frazier as well, adds another, you know, infielder, you know, kind of a depth piece, another guy that they can kind of shift around through the infield, or he's played outfield too some, so uh, kind of a versatile contact hitter that plays good defense and can play a lot of different positions. So that's a nice addition for them, uh, you know, without having to pay all that much for him. Uh, but I do think they still need a big bat, one of their big needs. Uh, I know that there's been some rumors that Chris Bryant could be an in of interest for them, which I think would be a perfect fit. He can play corner outfield. 
um, you know, which they could probably use somebody who can do that or third base. And, you know, Chris Bryant with that versatility can move around to any of those three positions, which are, are not necessarily huge question marks because they've got some talented players potentially there. Like, you know, you look at, you look at them as, you know, third base, you know, you, you lose Seager, but you do have Abraham Toro. He could, you know, when Chris Bryant could play the outfield, you've got, you know, uh, Mitch Hanniger's going to probably be one of your, you know, one of your stalwart pieces in the outfield. But how's Jared Kellenick gonna uh, gonna gonna do? Is he gonna, you know, kind of live up to the hype that he had before last year, or is he gonna continue to struggle at the big league level? And then, uh, you know, in center field, you don't know what you're gonna get out of Kyle Lewis, who was the rookie of the year last year, but didn't play this year because he was injured. So we don't know what we're gonna see out of that. And you know, a guy like Chris Bryant, who you can move around and fit into one of those positions would be nice for them, but definitely needed another big bat and then bullpen help. I, I, they could use us another starting pitcher too, but some of the young guys they've got like Emerson Hancock, um, you know, uh, you got Logan Gilbert, some of those younger guys, I think they're probably not going to want to block them. I kind of want to see where they're going to be at coming into the year. That might be a place they look at the deadline for a, for an acquisition and, uh, you know, for a starting pitcher, but we'll see what happens there. Um, but their outlook for me is, you know, can they take the next step? They haven't made the postseason since, what, 2001? Um, you know, can they make that next step forward? I definitely think that they're potentially a wild card contender, depending on who they could possibly add. I don't think as they currently are constructed, they're going to win 90 games like last year. I think they're more of a 500-type team that really overperformed last year. But they do have a lot of money to spend. And, uh, you know, if they can add a couple more guys like a Chris Bryant or, a, you know, a couple big bullpen pieces, maybe another starter, uh, this is a team that could really get, you know, get moving forward. And uh, with that farm system, they've got a lot of high upside, too. Yeah. And you mentioned that that farm system right there. Uh, you know, even mentioning the outfield, you have a guy like Julio Rodriguez, who's one of the, the top prospects in baseball that will probably be up um, for a good majority of this season. Uh, you know, I don't think Novelli Marte will be up this year maybe even next year uh but then you you mentioned that rotation you you mentioned emerson hancock they have george kirby who's another high profile pitching prospect for them um that should be up pretty early on this year um and then even a guy like brandon williamson a left-handed pitcher um has been the highest he's got his double a but you could see him even get the call up this year uh you know they do need some sort of a, a higher profile bat i don't know where that could come uh, you know, if it is with the infield with a guy like Chris Bryant uh, for, or it is, you know, more of an outfield who could be a, a Chris Bryant as well. But it, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where the pieces go, because you got you do have Abraham Toro. You do have J.P. Crawford. You, uh, you know, you do have Ty France, who were all really good for you this last year. You acquired Adam Frazier, who, you know, you probably plan on being your second baseman. So that kind of means your infield's a little more set. Um, and then your outfield, you, you know, got Hanniger, you have. Um, uh, Jared Kellenick and then Julio Rodriguez is coming and Kyle Lewis coming back as well. So, it, you know, you they, they could use a bat, but it kind of starts getting a little crowded if they sign a guy, you know, to a big contract for a longer-term deal. Uh, so it will be interesting to see where the Mariners, uh, you know, you know, take that money to because they do have a lot to spend. And we know that Jerry DePoto, um, you know, is one of the most aggressive GMs. And you can even rule out some sort of a trade that might trade one of these prospects or – even somebody that's you know playing right now, if it, if they find something on the the market that fits them better, so 
uh, you know, the outlook, like you said, I, I put up and coming and they need the young prospects to take that leap. You need Kellenic to be better. You need Logan Gilbert to be better. You know, you're going to need a guy, you know, your, your pitchers and Kirby and Hancock to come up and be good major leaguers. Um, you know, you're going to, you're counting on a resurgence or the, you know, Robbie Ray to, to do what he did last year with the amount of money you paid him. So the Mariners, I feel they are a good team. I feel they could, they could battle for that wild card spot and maybe even win 90 games. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit higher on them than you are. Um, just because of the pieces that are coming back and the, the young prospects that I like, um, on the pitching side, especially, but you know, it, it's going to be a team that that's really interesting. I don't think they're quite there to battle with the, uh, you know, with the Astros unless they make a couple bigger moves um, once lockout ends, but for sure uh, a team to watch out for in the coming years. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but uh, you know, we'll see. I think we're maybe just a little bit disagreement on exactly how good they're going to be this year, but um, but we'll see what happens. And, and with a couple, like I said, with a couple additions, I definitely think they're a wild card contender who could win 90 games. I just don't think as they are right now, they're a yeah. 90 win team. I think they, they do need a couple more pieces, but uh, moving on, uh, our next team it, who finished third in this division with an 86 and 76 record. Uh, although we don't think either one of us expect them to finish third. It's coming up here um, are the uh, Oakland A's. Uh, they lose. Well, I mean, they, you go ahead and start naming the losses. It's going to take the rest of the episode just about. Yeah, so the the key losses, and like you said, if, if we name them all, they're going to be – we'll talk the rest of the episode. But uh, Starling Marte, Mark Canna, uh, Mitch Moreland, Jan Gomes, Jake Diekman, Andrew Chafin, uh, and plenty of others that I didn't even want to write down to mention but that are still you know good major league players. Um, and that's not even, you know, question marks there around the possible trades of Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, um, Sean Manaya, and any other player that has any sort of value for the Oakland A's. They are looking to fire sale everything. Um, and the only player that they've really added so far is uh, Brett Honeywell from the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty rough. Um, I mean... They, this is a team that always has been a team that had a lot of guys, loses a lot of guys every year and brings in a lot of new guys every year. They've played that money ball for a long time. But money ball is different now because teams with money are playing money ball, if that makes sense. And the fact that, you know, they're using a lot of the same types of metrics and, and you know, sabermetric extra advanced stats that the A's were at the forefront of using they're using them to their advantage too. And they have a lot of money to spend on some of the top players. So, you know, that whole money ball thing doesn't work out quite as well for the A's as it used to. Um, and you look at their, you know, at, the, at their outlook and I mean, their needs, I mean, they, you know, if they, if they were going to contend this year, obviously they need to replace, they've lost pretty much their entire bullpen. They need to replace that. And corner outfield, they lose Starling Marte and Canha. I guess I could have just put outfield in general because Loriano can play. He's probably better suited for right, but he can play center when he comes back this year after his suspension. But, I mean, the real thing they need to do is just go ahead and start fortifying that farm system. You've got, you know, probably the a top three first baseman in the game, probably number three behind Vlad Jr. and Freddie Freeman right now. Uh, that you could pro possibly trade. There's a pretty good amount of teams that are contenders actually looking for a first baseman this year, which is kind of unusual. You know, you got, you got, um, you know, the Braves, unless they, which they'll probably resign Freddie Freeman, but if they don't resign him, they've been rumored to that Matt Olson might be their fallback for 
you look at the Yankees need a first baseman, the Red Sox need a first baseman. Um, you've got a pretty good amount of teams that, that need to, to make a move there. Maybe even the Dodgers if Max Muncy's not healthy too. Uh, but um, so they, there's a lot of pieces that a lot of teams that could use a first baseman, which is typically not a position that you're going to get a lot of a lot for a value for. So they can make that trade. Uh, like you said, Sean Mania is another guy. A uh, pretty good pitcher, lefty. They could trade and, and get some stuff. Um, you got a, uh, you got to look at, um, you know, maybe Ramon Laureano. Could could they possibly even move him? I kind of doubt they do before the season because of his situation, but it's possible. And then, uh, you know, obviously Matt Chapman's been rumored for a while, but uh, you know he might he might get moved as well. So there's just a lot of teams, you know, that are. Or a lot of a lot of players that they need to, to figure out what they're going to do with, and uh, you know, outlook wise, um, you know, I I don't see any way this that end in a full fledged, full blown tear it all the way down, rebuild, lose 110 games for the next three years, you know, in the way that you know you're looking at like the the way the Rangers have been the last couple of years, or the Orioles or the Pirates or something. I mean, that's what you're looking at with the A's, and you're just about to go into it. So it's really not an exciting time for the A's right now because they're about. I think they that's really their only option because they don't have the money to go out and replace all the guys they're losing. And I mean, they all the guys they're losing, they weren't even that good when they had them all there and healthy. They were a borderline wild card team at best. So um, you know, this is this is going to be a rough rough period of time for the A's here going forward to the next couple of years. Yeah, and especially with all of Oakland fans or, you know, the A's fans, with them going through their battle with Oakland and potentially even moving away from there, this doesn't help them at all, you know, give them any break of, hey, at least we have a good team to watch. But, uh, you know, going forward, like you said, the it, it's going into a complete uh, and full rebuild. Um, you know, I put for the outlook and the needs, I've, I've needs, I put young players and the outlook as how do the trades help you bring in the young talent for the rebuild? Um, because, you know, they're not going to be a team competing. They're going to be the team that, like you said, the Orioles, the Pirates, you know, the Tigers from a couple of years ago, the the Rangers of just how, you know, how much are they going to have to tear it down? Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what this new CPA is. If there is some sort of like floor, you know, salary floor that you have to meet, they're going to be a team that, you know, won't have a lot of salaries um, to meet that if, if that is a thing. Uh, but yeah, the Oakland A's, it's going to be rough for the next, uh, you know, probably four to five years for them at least. But Yeah, absolutely. We'll go ahead and move on to uh, to a team that might be, you know, arguably is having one of the better off seasons so far and, you know, really vaulting themselves into this uh, this division probably. But that's Los Angeles Angels. They finished 77 and 85 last year, 18 games back of the division. So really far back from our preseason uh, predictions last year of uh, I think we both had them winning the division. But, uh, you know, you look at their, their key losses that they've had this offseason. Kurt Suzuki, uh, you know, veteran catcher for them. Uh, Alex Cobb, who was, you know, pretty good when he pitched. Dylan Bundy and, and Steve Ciszek. Uh, you know, and then you look at who they've added so far, and it's been really interesting. They, they were able to bring Rysel and Glacius back. Uh, they were able to sign Noah Syndergaard on a one-year deal. Uh, they signed Michael Lorenzen, a uh, reliever from the, the Reds, that they're actually going to stretch out to be a, a starter. And then they signed Aaron Loop from the New York Mets um, to be a good lefty in that bullpen. You there? 
All right. Well, I'll just continue on until we get Matt back. Uh, you know, the, they're a team that's really interesting. The, the big thing that they're going to need um, is health, really. They're, uh, you know, Mike Trout battled injuries last year. Anthony Rendon battled yeah. injuries last year. You know, they're a team that the health is going to be something that they're going to need. Um, you know, it, Mike Trout was, was battling injuries. Anthony Rendon battled injuries. Um, you know, you're going to want Shohei, Shohei Otani, who didn't battle injuries last year, really, but... You know, is he going to be able to to continue that? Noah Syndergaard, you're bringing him in. He's a guy who's battled injuries for sure. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see what we can do, uh, or what what the Angels can do at least um, going forward if they're able to stay healthy. Uh, you know, some of the outfield they could use because they have um, Joe Adele and you know Brandon Marsh, Justin Upton, who are three guys who've really struggled. Marsh and um, you know, Adele being younger prospect and Adele's looked really bad so far. Uh, and then a solid starting pitcher is going to be something else that they need. Um, you know, like I said, we have, you know, Syndergaard who is um, coming off of injuries, who hasn't pitched much. Uh, Lorenzen is a reliever that you're stretching out. You're going to have Shohei Otani, but what are you going to get out of guys like uh, Reed Detmers? Uh, what are you going to get out of a guy like Griffin Canning? Patrick Sandoval is a guy that they have that could be really good. Um you know, more of a probably a forward in that rotation, but he's been pretty solid so far. Um, you know, and then the outlook of what they're going to have going forward. You know, if they are healthy, this could be a possible like wild card team. At least. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with a lot of that. Um, you know, on their needs, I, I you know you got to remember too. We were talking about the Astros with you know needing to add that back end starter because we weren't sure about the health. Well, I mean, there's nobody with bigger health questions than. Noah Syndergaard, so um, that's definitely something I would, um, you know, I'd look at. Um, you look at their, um, you know, and, the, and shortstop. I mean, at the, you know, right now Tyler Wade's going to be their starting shortstop, so they probably could, you know, could take a look at improving improving that. Uh, and then, um, I mean, like you say, can they stay healthy? I mean, and and if they are healthy, you know, is Rendon going to play well? Because last year, Rendon, when he played, I know it probably had to do a little bit with his injuries, but he really didn't play that well when he played. So is he going to be good and healthy? Uh, you know, what's Mike Trout? He missed most of the season. Is he going to be the same Mike Trout that we've seen for years? Or is he going to be maybe, I mean, I mean there's no doubt he's going to be good, but is he going to be the best player in baseball good like he has been for a long time? Or is he going to be something not quite as good as he's always been? Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, with their additions they've made, I definitely do look at them as a possible wild card contender. Um, I think I was a little too bullish on them last year. Um, you know, but I, I, I think they're, I think they're better than, I think they're better than they showed last year. They do need to add some pieces though. And they need to have a really good, um, outcome from from either brandon marsh or joe adele it's okay if one of them's not quite the the guy that you were thinking you know for next year but you know you can't have both of those guys completely bust because those are those have been kind of centerpiece prospects for them for a while now and that's something you you really can't afford to have both of those guys end up being busts at the big league level so uh both of them always have been looked at as high risk guys but definitely something that you know the angels Playing in what's all of a sudden kind of a tough division too. Um, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to have some of these things fall the right way, but they can do it, and they do have the pieces to and talent to maybe make it work. So uh, I definitely would consider them a possible wild card contender. Yeah, absolutely, especially with um, 
you know the uh, the next team that we're going to talk about right here, and that's the Texas Rangers. Um, they really didn't, you know, the Rangers who finished about at that, uh, you know, in the bottom of this division at sixty and one hundred two, and and a you know whopping thirty five games back of the division lead. But they're a team that you know they didn't really lose much because they were one of those teams that we were talking about with the A's that were not really good. Um, you know, the, a couple of their players have went over to like the Korean baseball uh, league or something this year, but. There, you know, there were guys who probably weren't going to get playing time on this team now after what they've done so far in this offseason and what they're looking forward to do. Uh, and then you look at their ads, and we've, we've, you know, talked a lot about the Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon middle infield. That's that's immediately becomes one of the better, if not the best, middle infield in the game right now. Uh, and then they got a guy like John Gray who's going to be a solid rotation arm for them. And then a, you know, a solid outfielder in Cole Calhoun. Uh, you know, they could still use. Um, some more pitching to go along with John Gray, um, probably some more outfield. Um, you know, if they can get a guy like a Seiya Suzuki or something in there, um, you know, and then just overall, just depth in places like this. It was a team that's so bad for so for you know the past three or four years. They're, they, you know, signing Seager, signing Simeon, signing them. They they spent a lot, but they're not a team that you're going to expect to to start to you know battle for a division this year or anything. Uh, it's still going to take a couple more off seasons, but it's definitely a good start um, to their, you know, the upward trend so far. Uh, you know, if you, at least from my outlook, can how far can that upward trend go? Um, you know, can they can they go from a sixty win team to you know a goal of an eighty win season? Maybe try and get around five hundred. Um, you know, and you know, go into the next off season and see where you're at. Yeah. So um, you know, I, I think I agree with a lot of that. The the thing you look at with the Rangers is that. They're making some really big moves right now, which is great for them. But, I mean, you're talking about a team that needs to add, you know, not just – I mean, you talk about war. And I know war doesn't directly correlate to wins, but you talk about a team that needs to go from having from, – from 60 wins to, you know, at least 90 wins to really compete for the wild card consistently. And I know, you know, they, they could maybe make wild card with, you know, 85, 86, but – you know, you're looking at having to add 26 or so wins to to a, to a roster, and I don't know if Seager and Simeon, Gray and Calhoun can add that much. They can add 15 wins, maybe. Uh, I don't think the Rangers are done. They've still got money to spend, so I think a lot of it's going to depend on how they spend the rest of that. You talk about their needs; uh, they definitely still need starting pitching. They, they really don't have much still, even with the addition of of John Gray. Uh, they need to add. I, I think uh, John Gray worries me if you're bringing him in and to be the number one. I think they need to add somebody else. I, I think a guy like Kershaw might make sense for them if he doesn't go back to L.A. because I know he's been rumored there and he's from the, the area. So uh, I think he'll be a good fit for them because they need some a veteran piece in there. You, you, then you start to kind of look at their rotation as being okay. You got Kershaw and Gray. You got a really good one too at that point, and you can maybe have a couple of their other guys work out a guy like a Dane Dunning or, or somebody. So uh, Spencer Howard maybe, but, but right now, I mean, you're looking at like your, your ace is John Gray, who is a first career, although it's obviously he's been in, um, you know, he's been in, uh, you know, in Colorado. So take it for what it's worth. But um, you know, you're looking at a guy who really isn't anywhere close to an ace, but then after him, I mean, you've only got, two guys that are right now major leaguers and with any kind of look at maybe being good in the future. And Dane Dunning's one who he could end up being pretty good, but Spencer Howard, 
he could end up being good, but he's really inconsistent. I mean, I mean, other than him, like this year you had Fulton Evich, who's been outrighted. Colby Allard's not very good. I mean, they, you, you really need to add something to that starting rotation to really compete. And then the bullpen, um, they needed some help in the bullpen too. They've got a couple of high upside pieces, but uh, right now there's just not that much there. And, uh, you know, but, but you look at their lineup and, I mean, they – the pieces that they had, I mean, I, I would definitely try to add somebody in that outfield because I don't trust Adolis Garcia to, to be what he was for the first half of this year. Um, but, you know, you've also got you know Nick Solak, I think is going to be decent. Like Cole Calhoun will, will hold down right field. Um, you could definitely use another outfielder, though. And then, you know, third base, Josh Jung will come up at some point. He's, you know, a good-looking prospect. You never know. I uh, do like Nate Lau at first. Obviously, the middle infield is good. Catcher, I think they're looking pretty decent with, with uh, Jonah Heim being the, the guy to start the season. Uh, Sam Huff eventually will play. I don't know if it'll be this year or next year, but he's a pretty good-looking prospect. So, um, But, you know, moving forward for them, outlook-wise, I really don't think they're in the playoff pick, picture, picture as it stands right now. They just don't have the depth. They've got two really good players, but, but no depth. Um I think they need to add at least a, a, at least one, a, a, like a, a high-level starting pitcher, and then maybe another back-end guy for for some extra innings, um, and also um, you know just some depth, bench depth. Bring in a couple high upside or, or just veteran like just veterans that can play in that can come off the bench and pinch hit and be a fourth outfielder type guys because the guys we have for that right now are just not not gonna cut it. So. Um, but I mean, as of as of right now, I think that you know put, putting together the piece when you spend as much money as they've spent, they really need to try to compete for the wild card. If you're spending that much money this year, um, and they've got to figure out a way to add three or four more pieces, and we'll see if that ends up happening. I, I think it'll be interesting. I think as of right now, they're probably going to be a pretty good offensive team, but I think the pitching is going to really hold them back until they get a little bit better. Uh, on that end so we'll see what happens um, definitely exciting to see a team like the rangers that honestly has, has a pretty good farm system but it's not a elite farm system and you know just won 60 games it's, it's, it's very good to see them you know look to compete you know because it's kind of unusual to see a, a team like that compete all of a sudden it's been a lot of money usually they, they wait till a lot of those farm pieces get going so but um but we'll see what happens uh definitely going to be exciting uh, exciting year for the Rangers. I know their fans will be really pumped up for the season because they've at least got some hope now. Yeah, and like you said, with the uh, you know mentioning the them not really having the, that good of a farm system and, and spending so much money, that's a, that's a product of not having a great farm system, really. And then the other factor that you know they just opened the brand new stadium a couple years ago, and this was the first year where fans were able to come see it. Uh, and you want to, you know, obviously it's the new stadium, so fans are going to be excited to see that. But now that the, you know, first year of it's over of where fans were actually allowed in the stadium, because, you know, they had it in 2020. But, you know, where is, you know, you got to keep them wanting to come. So you got to put a better product on the field. Um, so, you know, this goes a long way to that and to, to keeping your revenue going strong. And, you know, Texas has always been a place that is a destination spot for a lot of people. So to see them, you know, go from a team who, you know, was so bad, it's a lot easier for a team like Texas to, to get a better team um, and spend this much money, you know, outside of a, a place like maybe, you know, Pittsburgh. It's probably harder for them to do it. Um, or maybe even Baltimore, it's harder to get them to do it. So 
you know, really good of the, uh, you know, it's really cool to see the Rangers be able to do this and put the product out there, even if it is just an able to be an 80 win team, you know, at some point this year, and then they go into next year and, you know, you know maybe those prospects have, have provided a little bit more, maybe Sam Huff and, and they can figure something out with one of those young starters. Um, you know, they definitely do, do need some other pitching, some more depth pitching at least. Uh, but, you know, their team might, that will probably go finish fourth in this division, but that's not, a, you know, it's not for a lack of trying at least. The, this division probably went from being one of the weaker ones the past couple years to being probably one of the most strongest that, you know, you can make a legitimate point for, for three of them being a, a wild card contender and a, a fourth that's not really far behind. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, you know how far the Rangers you know are able to go once this lockout ends with adding more pieces, uh, and then where the the pieces you know bring them going forward and through the 2022 season, and and if they are able to to find something middle of the season if they're having a good one to to potentially you know push them towards that wild card mark. Um, but just like as of right now, I you know I see them, but they could probably just be a you know, an 80 win team or whatever. Yeah. So. But that's the uh, that's our division breakdown for the uh, American League West. Uh, we'll probably be doing the AL Central next week, but we'll uh, figure that one out. Uh, and then coming forward, we got some you know Hall of Fame talk the next couple weeks after that. So it's going to be an interesting you know few weeks here for the Batflip Podcast. And uh, you know, you have anything you wanna you wanna hit on or finish up on, Matt? Um, not especially. I think we're definitely looking at a uh, you know a very interesting outlook for 2022 um I, I one thing that interests me is the fact that last year you had four teams in the al east who were all really really good um you know you had the rays red Sox, yankees and blue jays and you know there some of these teams like, like the angels and the rangers are trying to make moves to get into it but i mean that you're going to end up with a log jam they're going to end up with like eight teams and only four can make the postseason. Because I don't think the Central, which, hey, you might even look at the Central like, or, you know, as one of those teams, like, like the Tigers may be trying to do the same thing. You're going to look at eight or nine teams. One of, a couple of these teams are going to be really disappointing this year and aren't going to compete for the postseason when they are expected to. So, you know, who it's going to be? Is it going to be – is that going to be the Rangers? Is that going to be the – you know, is it going to be the Mariners? Is it going to be – who is that going to be? And I think that's one thing. One of these teams is going to bust big time because you can't have – I mean, obviously we don't have eight teams that are going to make the postseason. There's going to be a lot more, like, even records. I don't think there's going to be as many runaway records. I think there's going to be a lot of teams around 500. So, you know, the Mariners might be better than they were last year but win 83 games instead of 90. So, um, you know, the, the, the Angels – you know, with all their improvements that they might be making, they might still be an 81, 82 win team. The Rangers, you know, they're making so all these signings. They might just barely be able to crack 500, if that. So uh, definitely interesting to look at. And, and I think the landscape's definitely changing in the AL, and that's something that will be interesting to look at here in the next couple of weeks with our next couple of breakdowns here. Well, and that, and that's, um, you know, just, just pointing out what you had said, you know, with the four four playoff teams, there could be potential playoff expansion even coming with this this um, you know this lockout and, and this new cba so that could benefit you know maybe we go from four to five or even six teams um is something that we've heard that they want to do so 
you know, it, you do make a good point. What if these teams just start beating up on each other and make the 500 records, you know, which, which somebody would look at from the outside and say, that's not impressive. But then when you look at there's six or seven teams that, you know, are within, you know, throughout the whole American league or whatever, maybe there's six or seven teams within 10 games of each other. You know, that's really not that much um, from top to bottom. If that, if that were to be the case and, and everyone started beating up on each other, you know, if, if we have, nine to 10 teams throughout the three divisions that are, you know, really good teams and, and battling for, for playoff spots and, uh, and, you know, going all in for that. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see how that, you know, what the expanded playoffs, if we do get that looks like and how that changes the whole landscape of, of, you know, who's battling for a wild card and what the records actually look like. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, like I say, I mean, uh, there's a lot of pieces, a lot of moving pieces. I think it's going to look a lot more like the NL has the last couple of years uh, going forward. But uh, definitely going to be interesting to see. Absolutely will be. But uh, thank you guys for, for listening to this uh, division breakdown of the American League West. And we'll catch you guys next week on the Batflip podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.